service. What is up, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Full Service Podcast. I am Tank Smith, your host. Today is episode 57. Thanks for being here. Shout out to my guest from last week, Cherry Dana. Cherry, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. That was a fun time. If you have not yet, make sure you check out last week's episode. Give Cherry a follow. She is on Twitter and Instagram at CherryDana27. I have a link to her Instagram, Twitter, her OnlyFans in the Libsyn page from last week. So make sure you hit that Libsyn page. Show her some love. While you were there, we are also on Twitter. We are also on Instagram at Full Service Pod. My personal Instagram and Twitter is at Tank Funkadelic. Give me a follow as well. If you enjoy the podcast, if you like what we're doing here week after week, make sure you hit that like button, that follow button, that subscribe button. You'll be alerted as soon as a new episode drops. Ratings and reviews really do help for visibility for the podcast, so if you could, hit us with a 5-star rating, write us a review, that would help us out tremendously. Today, episode 57, I am excited. I'm actually coming to you from Raleigh, North Carolina right now. I drove up on Monday of last week. I had a thing in Greenville Tuesday and Wednesday and came to Raleigh, I guess it's like Wednesday evening. So I've been uh, been able to do some comedy while I've been here. I did spots Wednesday through Friday and then I have a thing tonight. Uh, so I'm excited about that. I've been able to do some interviews while I was in the area. My guest today is Bowie Sinclair, a Durham-based companion. We sat down a couple days ago. I'm excited for y'all to hear this. She recently moved to Durham from Vancouver, Canada. We discuss her working in Vancouver, her transition to Durham, her love of burlesque, life during this pandemic, online sex work. We discuss so much, so much fun. I hope you all enjoy this. You can find Bowie on Twitter at Bowie Sinclair, Instagram at Sinclair Bowie, and OnlyFans at Sinclair Bowie. I'll have a link to all of those in the Libsyn page from this week, so make sure you check out the Libsyn page. Follow her on everything. I'm going to stop talking. I hope you enjoy this interview with Bowie Sinclair. Thanks. Welcome back, listeners. It's Tank Smith. I'm excited, so excited for today's episode. My guest, a Durham-based companion, she is North Carolina's goth girl next door, Bowie Sinclair. Bowie, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, of course. Hi there. Oh yeah, this is great. I'm glad we're able to do this. Yeah, I've been subscribed to your podcast and really liked it, so I was excited when you emailed me and were like, hey... Listeners, you hear that? She was subscribed to the podcast. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, what are you doing? <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Listeners, we are uh, currently in Durham, North Carolina right now. I came up to uh, North Carolina for a couple days. Bowie, how do you like uh, Durham? Durham's okay. I was born and raised here, but haven't lived here in over a decade. And coming back was not totally my choice. I came back because of COVID. Oh, um, man. So it's a for now situation. Okay. A- after like not having lived in Durham for like so long, has it changed like a lot since you... Oh, a thousand percent. Like gentrification out the wazoo. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. I went to school in downtown Durham and that's when little white girls like me, you like don't ride the bus, you don't go out at night. And now I was just telling you, I had no problem walking around downtown by myself, like in a skirt. Yeah. Felt totally safe. But you have to realize that comes with 
like me feeling complacent and my whiteness and what that means. Yeah. I was going to say like now, like little white girls in Durham, they're the ones doing the bugging. Oh, of course. You know? Yeah. It's because <laughs> they want pills. Yeah. <laughs> Kick you in the shins. Gotta have those pills. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd, uh, where'd you move from? Vancouver, Canada. Oh boy. Yeah. How do I, how's Vancouver? Vancouver's great. Really great weather for the most part. A great, I had a really great community of sex workers up there. Um, It was very expensive, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Is Vancouver, is that like above Seattle? Is that close to Seattle? Yeah, it's like a three-hour drive. Oh, okay, sweet. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to go, I've never been like, I guess Pacific Northwest, but it like, it looks beautiful. It's gorgeous. Like Vancouver, you can go skiing in the morning and surfing, well, not surfing, but go to the beach in the afternoon, paddle boarding or something. Okay. Yeah. And that's one of the things that's great about it. Fuck yeah. Being, uh, being back in Durham, I know it's like COVID's happening right now. Have you found anything that you like to do being back? I really like going on hikes uh, down by the Eno River, and Duke Forest has some great hikes. That's really it. I mean, when COVID's not happening, uh, there's a pretty good like burlesque scene here. Oh shit! Nice. Yeah. It's weird. Like I never like before getting into comedy, I never like seen a burlesque show. I still have never seen a burlesque show now, but like they they will, will like combine like comedy and burlesque shows a lot, and I'm finding like real interesting that like they do that. Oh yeah. Um, I have a friend. I was big into burlesque in Vancouver, and there's a huge burlesque scene up there. And one of my friends is a comedian slash host, and so I think just the campy nature of it really allows them to uh, sort of complement each other. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you do burlesque? Are you just like a fan? You like go like watching it or do you actually do it yourself? I do burlesque or uh-huh. I used to do burlesque. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's dope. What, uh, what do you like to do for fun now? Nowadays I read a lot. I watch a lot of Netflix, but mostly I play my ukulele badly hell yeah <laughs> fuck yeah what's uh what's a song you what's uh you got a go-to song in the ukulele um i play this veggie tales song called the pirates who don't do anything <laughs> i feel like i've heard that i mean if you went to vacation bible school as a child vbs heard... was vbs for the days yeah <laughs> i have to learn pharaoh pharaoh on uh ukulele now <laughs> I, haven't, I, I was talking about, it's so funny you mentioned Vacation Bible School. Like, me and my buddy were talking about the other day. It's, so, it's a good time. If you're a kid, oh my God. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's a way for our parents to get us the heck out of the house. Free babysitting for a week. Hell yeah. That's a great thing. <laughs> I know your your name's Bowie. Are you a David Bowie fan? Oh, yeah. It started, well, one was I was going to name my dog either Freddie or Bowie. Okay. Um, Freddie Mercury or Bowie. And named my dog Freddy. Uh, so when it came to choosing a name, I was like, well, I might as well be Bowie. And yeah. I also did it sort of for like internet anonymity because my SEO will never be higher than his. Oh, no. Yeah. So if you search for, if you just search for like Bowie, I'm never going to come You get up. David Bowie all day. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I feel like every time I think about David Bowie, it's just that. Have you seen Zoolander? <laughs> it's a walk-off. Yeah, it's a walk-off. <laughs> the wedgie scene. Though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, that's such a great movie. It's oh, a classic. Love Zoolander so good. Mm. 
him trying to get the coal, like the coal, like dirt off his like face with just <laughs> the like pile of cotton balls. <laughs> oh, it's so funny! I gotta watch that movie. It's, you know. yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on the podcast. This is great. Yeah, for sure. I'm happy to be asked on. Fuck yeah! Can you uh, can you remember like the first time you like heard of sex work? I was thinking about this earlier, and I'm sure I heard it, heard about it, not being called sex work. So I've heard these narratives in the media and in jokes about prostitutes and strippers and porn stars, and I'm pretty sure I heard that early, at, like on Law and Order or something. Yeah, that was a job you didn't want to be. But I remember my first positive experience or positive. Um, idea of sex work came from reading Jenna Jameson's autobiography. Oh, okay. I was like 13 or 14. Um, now Jenna Jameson's like a crazy person. But it was called How to Make Love Like a Porn Star. And I thought that was fantastic. I was like, oh my God, I want to be a stripper and a porn star. And was just like, that is the life for me. How did you like uh, initially get in? Um... Well, I have two origin stories. Ooh, um, let's hear both. <laughs> the first one is kind of, kind of typical. I was in university and went to an amateur night at a strip club, and then didn't dance at that strip club. But I got invited to do private parties as like a naked go-go dancer. Okay, did that for a while. It wasn't my thing. I'm not a good stripper. I'm not a good hustler. It's just. There are better people. So yeah. <laughs> it takes a very specific person to be a stripper. And I am not that good of a salesperson. Okay, yeah. And then recently, I'm still what you would call like a baby companion. I'm within my first five years of working. And I had just gotten out of a relationship. And the relationship was good. It was fine. I just didn't love the person. So I was like, oh, yeah. gotta go. <laughs> I was really looking to kind of claim my sexuality and feel powerful in it. I mean, I'm not a very imposing figure. I'm very short. I'm, I look like I'm 12. I don't look like I'm 12. That's gross. <laughs> you um, don't look like you're 12. I'll, I'll ask add that. <laughs> um, but I, I look pretty like you could knock me over. And so I was trying to find some way to reclaim my own power and my therapist at the time suggested sugar dating okay and so i tried that and kind of found my way to companionship through that okay hell yeah when before like kind of guess getting into companionship did you have like an idea of what you thought that was going into it yeah i spent probably like six months doing research i'm an academic at heart i love doing research and so i searched out sex work companions escorts on instagram and twitter and basically like stalked all their social media figured out what they were doing and read as much as i could about the do's and don'ts of the industry okay way before i even thought about signing up for seeking arrangement yeah like no matter how much i guess like like doing all this research and kind of like knowing kind of like what's what you're getting into going in. Was it still any different than actually like, I feel like there's one thing to like study something, but that's another thing to do it. When you got in, were you like, oh, this is different than what I thought? Or was it like almost like this is exactly what I thought it would be? Oh, it was totally different. 
I immediately thought, like, I had to be a certain thing. I had to look a certain way. And I thought that the money was going to be immediately like these high-end escorts that you see that are just like Barbie dolls. And for better or for worse, it definitely was not like that. It was definitely not like that. Oh, no. I mean, like, the money is good, but I wasn't, like, jetting off on, like, some rich oil baron's yacht. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that's a, a, like, a minority of people that are doing that. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there was, like, a waiver period or, like, learning curve to, like, at the beginning, like, when you, like, weren't good at all? Oh, yeah. I definitely was not good when I first started. I didn't know how to recognize time wasters. Okay. Um... I gave everyone too much of my time. I didn't have very strong boundaries in the beginning. And I'm very lucky that it didn't burn me in ways that it could have. Yeah. But I think there was a learning curve where I was like, oh, that was a stupid mistake. Yeah. Or, oh, I'm never going to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think your biggest challenge was starting out? Confidence in myself and realizing that no matter what you look like or what you're into or how old you are, someone's going to like you. For someone's sure. going to want you. For sure. Yeah. What do you think the most important like thing you learned starting out was? Be strong in your boundaries. Don't negotiate. How long did that kind of like take to like firm up to where like I know who I am. I know what like I can say no to that. How was, like, learning that, I guess, or... I, once again, I'm very lucky. I had a very easy entrance into this field. I had people who supported me and people who reminded me that, you know, no matter how you feel, if you ever feel unsafe, you can say stop. You can say get out. You can do... Your word is the last word. Yeah. So I really... I was very lucky that almost immediately I had people backing me up and it took me not very long, like maybe a month and a half to feel strong enough in myself to say that. Okay, cool. Fuck yeah. I feel like that support has to be nice. Oh yeah. It was great. <laughs> Do people like uh, close to you know about work? Mm-hmm. My, like everyone important in my life knows I'm pretty much an open book. My PhD advisor knew they were not supportive. But I'm no longer in a PhD program, so that doesn't fucking matter. But, yeah. like, my mom knows. Hell yeah. Um, she had to come around, but now she's, like, as long as I don't talk about the nitty gritty, yeah. we can be like, oh, I learned this from a client. And she's like, that's so cool. Hell yeah. That's, I feel like that has, like, just feel great that, like, you're able to, like, have that conversation, like, with your mom. And oh, yeah. Her supporting you and stuff. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. Who would you say, like, your average, like, clientele is? Definitely more white guys. Um, tend to be between, like, 35 and 65. Okay. Upper middle class, like, businessmen types. But I've seen and do see any kind of client. Um, I've had people who ask, like, or who specify... Um, I'm white or I'm Asian and that makes me feel so sad because I realize just how many providers are like 
I don't see black guys. I don't see oh, yeah. Asian guys. That's so fucked up. Um, I'm fuck you providers who do that. That's not okay. Yeah. It makes me very <laughs> passionately angry about it. Um, but yeah, I, I think in terms of my look, it tends to attract the khaki wearing crowd. Okay. <laughs> nice pair of slacks. Yeah. They like you. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a difference between like, I guess the clientele base in Durham and in Canada? The clientele that see me? No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that initially surprised me because I was like, I was kind of nervous. Uh, in Vancouver, in Canada, it operates on the Nordic model yeah. um, as opposed to here where sex work is pretty much totally illegal. And I thought, oh, I might see creepier guys or I might have to negotiate my screening process. I don't know how that's going to go. But pretty much I've seen the same type of business type guys. Hell yeah. Do you feel like clients know what they're doing in terms of like contacting you and like booking a session? Do you feel like they, like people know how to do that correctly? Um, I only see people who contact, who follow my contact protocol. Yeah. Um, I don't waste my time with coaching people. Um, I mean, I might say if someone contacts me via text, I might say, hey, will you send me your screening information? And if they send me that via email, I'll look into it. Yeah. But if they're just like, oh, hey, and they don't introduce themselves, they say, hey, can I see you? tonight or you know my very favorite text you avail you avail is a good one uh, <laughs> um i just don't entertain that yeah <laughs> i wonder if you avail ever works oh man i want a shirt that says that <laughs> and on the back it says no <laughs> in uh in the screening process right how do you feel about references from other providers um i actually just asked another provider for a reference I totally get why people wouldn't give them it. Like you don't want to be responsible for a client's behavior at all, good or bad. But I started, I started really working in Vancouver where I trusted this group of sex workers that we were all in like a group chat. And I knew that their clientele was, pretty well vetted yeah so i felt comfortable asking them and trusting their word here it's kind of a gamble because i don't have that support system here and i'm asking i'm reaching out to people that i have to find their contact uh information on trist or i filled out people's booking forms and been like hi i don't want a session but i wanted to check up on this person oh okay do they ever get back to you Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Hell yeah. And usually they're very sweet. Um, if they don't give references, we'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't give references. Oh, okay. Do you feel like for the most part, references that you have gotten have been accurate? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, yeah. there was one person who I didn't end up seeing. Uh, their reference got back to me afterward, at, like after I had already canceled the appointment because I got like some weird feelings about the client. And their reference got back to me and they were like, yeah, uh, they're really sweet, but they don't really respect boundaries. I'm like, yep. Well, that's good. Yep. <laughs> Dodged that bullet. That intuition kicked yeah. in and you were like, yeah, I know what's up. Mm-hmm. 
how willing do you find people are to like screen or like give up personal information? I know like you don't entertain people that don't give you screening information. So mm-hmm. it'd be like, but do you feel like a lot of like people are hesitant at all to do that? Now more so. Yeah. I have had some arguments with people being like, Hey, I need this, this, and this. And they're like, well, I need to be discreet. It's like, dude, my job is illegal. <laughs> um, I'm not going to post your information all over the internet. So definitely here, I've had a higher percentage of people who try to argue with screening. Okay. And I have this, I even had this boilerplate email that I would send to people who tried to argue that was like, in case you didn't know, sex workers are murdered at an alarming rate. And here are some links you need to read. Because if you won't screen, you don't deserve to see a sex worker. Definitely not. Because it's like, why would I trust somebody I... You could be fucking anybody. Yeah, for sure. Um, And the fact that, like, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Yeah. And I'm like, well... (laughs) uh, I feel like that doesn't help. (laughs) Yeah. Those are some cautionary tales. Yeah. (laughs) Does, uh, Does attraction play a role at all when seeing a client? No. I feel like, not initially at least, I definitely try and usually succeed to find something I find attractive about the client during the session. Okay. And, I mean, I always try to empathize and sympathize with them. So I end up, like, if if I don't want to see them again, I won't. But usually when I have repeat clients, I do find something attractive. And it might not be, like... A physical attractiveness. It yeah. might just be we vibe really well. Yeah. Or like their dick feels nice. Yeah, that's always good. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel pressure in a session to live up to a client's expectations at all? I used to feel a lot more so, but now that's kind of waned. I used to get a lot of anxiety about like. Oh my god, do I look like my pictures? Duh, I look like my pictures. You look like the pictures, yeah. Oh, thanks. Um, (laughs) Or, like, what if they hate me? Well, if they hated me, they can leave. Yeah. Um, Also, now I'm just like, I feel okay about myself, and there's always going to be someone who likes what I'm doing. For sure. Always. Yeah. Um, But... Ultimately, it is their time as well, and I want them to feel fulfilled and happy with the session afterwards. Yeah. So, in that way, I do want to live up to their expectations. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Has your business been affected by COVID at all? Definitely. Um, I see less people less frequently, just because I don't... I, I care about public health, uh... My family is full of healthcare providers, um, and I want to minimize my risk for uh, contracting and or transmitting COVID. Yeah. So that has stopped me, but also I'm getting a lot less requests. So okay. I've had to find other avenues. Like a lot of sex workers, I've moved to some online platforms like i started an OnlyFans. okay um how do you like OnlyFans? uh it's fine it's weird i like i tried camming in the past with through my free cams okay um but couldn't really get into it because 
I felt so silly talking to a screen. Yeah. I much prefer the in-person interaction. Um, OnlyFans, I'm finding it hard to keep up with a schedule. Oh, okay. um, And motivate myself. I do love interacting with people online, but I can't foresee myself doing, like, I have a friend who goes on, uh, like, live streams, uh, strip teases on OnlyFans, and I'm just like, I can't do that. I feel dumb. That's honestly, like, so when, I guess, COVID started, a lot of, like, basically comedy basically ended and then the, you saw this rise of like a lot of like virtual comedy shows where you're literally sitting at your desk doing like jokes to like a screen and it's the same kind of it's the same kind of thing it's like i it's it's not the same thing at all like it's a different thing. it's a different energy like yeah i totally i used to be a theater performer and asking people to perform or because that's honestly like part of sex work it's a performance yeah asking people to perform to something that's not there and to conjure that energy it's so hard and sometimes you're like is this really worth it yeah. am i giving the best when i'm not getting that energy back because yeah you're not you're like so much of like in-person things is like you're feeding off the audience you're feeding off the person that's right in front of you and you can feel that shit when you're having to like solely have that yourself and be relying on like creating that you know like be yourself in front of like basically nobody it's like it's a whole di- it's so weird it gave me a lot more sympathy for youtubers oh um, yeah and i was like oh man youtubing is such an easy job blah 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 <laughs> i'm like jesus christ these people they are a special breed of human that i could never be yeah they really shout out to the youtubers out there subscribe to the podcast also. <laughs> we'll add that <laughs> does uh does burnout ever happen for you oh yeah I definitely get burnt out, uh, particularly from like trying to come up with concepts for um, for OnlyFans because I don't want to post the same picture of my vagina every day. Yeah, I'm like how interesting is the same <laughs> vagina? Like nothing else is happening, despite or like apart from what level, how long it's been since I've shaved. But I think I also get burnt out in terms of scheduling and finding and making the arrangements of like where's my in-call gonna be and how many people can I see at this particular in-call in Vancouver it was so much easier I had like dedicated in-calls that were run by other sex workers and I knew like if there was no one on the schedule I could just go in and pay by the hour and that was fine oh sweet that's great yeah hell yeah how do you feel about reviews on like review websites? I kind of this is kind of controversial. I see them as sort of a necessary evil. I definitely I like I needed them to get verified as a legitimate provider. For example, to sign up for a screening website, uh, a particular screening website, I needed to show them that I had reviews okay. posted within the last 6 months. Um however, I, they've also played a role in me choosing who I want to see. Okay. Um, for example, I saw a client, uh, and our session was totally fine. They were a gentleman. It was great. Um, but then found out that they were talking shit, not about me, but about 
other providers uh, on this review site and just being really degrading and disgusting. I was like, well, I'll never see that person again. Yeah. Damn. Can't be doing that shit. Yeah. So I'm also lucky. One of my regular clients in Vancouver wrote a very, like, what I would consider the perfect review. Like, it wasn't specific uh, in terms of, like, these are the positions we did. This yeah. is whatever. It was like, she looked how I expected her. We had easy communication and I had a really great time. So yeah, just like a nondescript kind of like good, yeah. good review. Yeah. You don't need the play by play. Yeah. This is not ESPN. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever uh, tour at all? I haven't, but I am planning to. I actually want to go to Savannah and Atlanta and New Orleans. Oh boy. Hell yeah. The next couple months. Fuck yeah. yeah. Nice. In terms of like the like emotional versus like physical labor of the job, do you feel like your job is more like emotionally laborious, physically laborious? I'd probably say emotionally laborious. Um because I really like to I like to make a connection with my clients and just ensuring that I am in a place to do that and in a place to take on whatever they may have, but also preparing myself to be this kind of person because this may shock everyone. I am not Bowie all the time. What the fuck? (laughs) I do have to get into kind of the Bowie mindset. Yeah. Because otherwise I'm just like in my sweatpants with my glasses on looking like a hobo. <laughs> um, but they're like physical wise. I realize I'm getting old because sometimes the next day my hips will really hurt and okay. they'll get really tight. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> I really got to stretch before I and work sex. that hip flexor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Coming from, like, Vancouver, where, I guess in the Nordic model, right, where it's, like, it's basically illegal for clients, but it's it's illegal for you to work as a sex worker. Mm-hmm. Do you, how do you, do you feel like that's safer? I mean, like, obviously it's safer for you as a sex worker. Um, so, there I felt a lot safer trying to make arrangements to see clients and, uh, doing that kind of stuff yeah. here i do feel a lot more like i'm sneaking around and i'm anxious more about like how do i look do, oh, okay. does my uh airbnb person have uh like a security camera installed i got caught by my parents recently i don't know they never said anything to me but i smoked the blunt right in front of a ring doorbell and right in front of my parents <laughs> And uh, I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> if they didn't see the video, they might have listened to this now. They're finding out. Hey, parents, I'm sorry. You were out of town. What, 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 what can I say? <laughs> have your have your views on sex or sexuality changed since starting at all? Uh, yes. Um, so now I don't yuck people's yum, which is like, a, I first heard it uh, from someone who does Burning Man all the time. Uh, so, whereas I might have thought some kink or fetish was gross, now I'm like, it's not, as long as it's not hurting anyone yeah. or the hurt is consensual, I'm like, 
do what you want to do. Yeah. I mean, I'm not into adult babies, but if that's your thing, go for it. I know, right? You can just be a baby. It's cool. It's yeah. a cool thing. Yeah. Have your views on men changed at all since starting? You're not allowed to tell people this. I used <laughs> to hate men. Um, and now I find I'm a lot more sympathetic towards men. Um, I'm also, I realize they're a lot more sensitive than I had previously given them credit for. And oh, I nice. think a lot of that is sex work, or at least the kind of experience I provide, because I do GFE. Um, it makes a safe space for them to make themselves vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. I feel like being able to be vulnerable with somebody else and then like accepting that is like so great. Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, it feels so good. <laughs> just like fucking just them accepting you. You're like, holy shit, I'm not fucking this horrible fucking person, you know? I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so great. Have your views on yourself changed at all since starting? I guess so. I've, this sounds so cliche, but I've gotten a lot more self-confidence uh, and that's bled out into my civilian life. Like, okay. I know my worth a lot more. And not just, like, know my monetary worth. Because I, my, I can change my rates to whatever the fuck. And someone's gonna pay it. But I know my worth as I am a dedicated human to whatever project I'm doing. And I know how to ask for what I need. Okay. Whereas before, I felt like, for example, if I was applying to a job and I would get that job and they'd start me out at, like, minimum wage, I felt like I'd had to be thankful for that. Yeah, okay. It's like, no. I've been working since I was 18 years old at one job or another. Like, I have experience. For sure. What do you know about yourself now that you didn't know before you got into sex work? Um, I'm sexually attracted to money. Uh, I like just like Cardi. Yeah. Yes. Oh God, I love Cardi B. I mean, who doesn't really? She's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but seriously, like I was talking to my friend about particular kinds of queerness, and we think of queerness most often on like an LGBT spectrum. And I was talking to my friend who's asexual, and they are asexual but romantic. I okay. I was thinking, like, well, I'm really just sexually attracted to money, and I'm not romantic at all. Yeah. Uh, so having a partner doesn't necessarily thrill me. I don't, I can't envision myself in, like, a heteropatriarchal kind of romance with two kids and a oh, picket okay. fence and whatnot. I can't even envision myself with a partner for a long term. Uh, but I like having these discreet sexual encounters and the fact that I'm getting paid for it is dope. So dope. Yeah. The best. <laughs> so coming from Vancouver where you said you had that like sex work community that was like so supportive. How is it being in, being in Durham? Do you feel the same support in the sex work community? or? Um, I haven't found that just because... I came here during COVID, and so it's hard to meet people. I have had to turn online for a lot of my support. I am very lucky to have a sex work positive therapist. I've found some other friends and photographers who are sex work friendly that I'm like starting to form uh, like friendships with. But 
it's honestly been really lonely because it I can't just say, hey, want to go out for coffee? Yeah, because all the coffees, it's all closed. Yeah. There's no coffee anymore. There's no coffee. <laughs> yeah, coffee's canceled until oh, next year. <laughs> do you ever do duos at all? Um, yeah, I used to. And that was really, it was really easy to do it with my network in Vancouver because yeah. we were all in this group chat and we're all like, all right, who is available to do this and who's available to do that? And here it's like, well, I would do duos with you, but <laughs> I don't know how to like how to vet you and how you will vet me yeah. if we can't meet up beforehand. That makes sense. Yeah. What would you say the best part of the job, worst part of the job is for you? Best part is probably, honestly, really making an emotional connection and feeling like I've helped someone yeah. in some way. And the worst part is probably the anxiety that comes beforehand. Like I said, I am in a very privileged position of just my race, my uh, economic bracket, and I am not a street-based sex worker, but I do have a lot... The media tells me a lot of things about what a sex worker is and what the risks are, that it's seeped into my psyche, and I'm always worried, like, am I going to get murdered? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that fear is never... I mean, it's never completely gone. Yeah. Yeah. What would you tell somebody who wants to get like into companionship? Do your research uh, and don't expect anyone to help you because I, I had a sex worker tell me this when I was starting out. We are very worried about uh, law, trafficking laws um, in general, and we don't want to facilitate trafficking at all. We don't want people to be able to bust us uh, and say that we were facilitating yeah. trafficking. So if you are like, hey, how do I get into this? And someone gives you like, oh, you should sign up for X, Y, and Z. That makes the advice giver culpable. Damn. So I think that's a really important thing to realize that you have to do this by yourself. It makes sense. What would you tell a younger you? Mm. Start earlier. Yeah, like, I wish I had started when I was in university. And because I could come into my sexuality and avoid a lot of really stupid relationships that I fell into just because I thought those would give me... Uh, some kind of validation. Yeah. Yeah. What would you, what advice would you give to a client wanting to see a companion for the first time? Oh, come see me. First timers are my favorite. Um, <laughs> uh, comply with all the screening that's requested of you. Take, if they, if your companion requests you take a shower at their place, take a shower at their place. Um, but generally just be polite, hygienic, Pay up front. Fuck yeah. Where do you see yourself in like five years? Hopefully still doing this and living in a different city. Uh, ideally, Chicago, Vancouver, Seattle, one of those. You go back to Vancouver? 
I'd go back to Vancouver in a heartbeat. Oh, shit. I miss Vancouver. Do you know how they've been affected by COVID at all? Um, It was a lot of the same as it was here. Okay. Um, I'm not sure now. Right when I was leaving, gyms were starting to open back up. Okay. And, like, I know my friends are able to go to dance classes now, but they have to, like, wear masks and maintain social distancing. Okay. But things are pretty much open. Okay. Oh, yeah. Do you have a thing, like, if I could do anything, I would do this thing? Do you have that thing? Um, do you mean, like, job-wise? I guess or... job-wise. Like, if you could do something, like, if money were no object, you're like, I would do this thing. Yeah. Um, I want to be a surrogate partner therapist. Okay. Which is essentially a sex worker therapist. But there are, like, certifications you go through. Okay. Um, I think IPSA is the uh, certification body, but... It's basically someone who helps people who have sexual, perceived sexual dysfunction. Okay. Um, whether that be erectile dysfunction or um, any kind of impotence, or they're just not comfortable with their body, or they're disabled in some way. Okay. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I feel like I'm doing the, Lord, doing the Lord's work. Doing the Lord's work. <laughs> Speaking of the Lord or Saint, I just found out that uh, Saint Nicholas, like Santa, is okay. the patron saint of sex workers. Really? Yep. Santa Claus. Who would have known? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you have like a best companion experience at all? I feel like a lot of mine are really good for no particular reason other than I really enjoy my time with the client, but I was thinking about i went on this multi-hour date with a client and they brought me two books that i'd really been wanting to read they brought me weed and we went to a museum and it was just a lovely time that sounds great yeah it was really just like pleasant two books weed at a museum that's the way to my heart (laughs) (laughs) are you a fan of stand-up comedy at all hell yeah nice do you got any favorites or any um, I really like Bo Burnham and Hannah Gadsby. Um, I'm not like I haven't been to shows in years, but I like the people who play with the form. Fuck yeah, Bo Burnham! I love Bo Burnham. So he's so funny. He's so funny, but he needs therapy. I always feel like a mixture of <laughs> like I mean, every comedian needs therapy. Uh, well, that's, everyone needs. That's therapy. why we're doing. That's why we're doing comedy. Yeah, <laughs> but I feel just like a oh, I want to give you a hug and, like, I want you to go on some Prozac. You should go to a comedy open mic, and then you're going to be like, everybody here needs a hug, (laughs) including the audience after what we just saw. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Fuck yeah. (laughs) But, oh, oh, have you seen uh, Eighth Grade, Bo Burnham's movie? Yes. That was so good. It was so good. That actress is incredible. Ellie, I want to say her name is Ellie something. Ellie something. But I really liked that they had actual 8th graders playing 8th graders. Yeah. As opposed to these, like, 20-year-olds who... Yeah. I feel like every high school movie or every movie, they're like, they gotta shave and then be like, oh, hey, and put on this voice and act like they're children. Oh, yeah. Like, so in Vancouver, they film a lot of the CW shows. Like, um, Riverdale is filmed up there. And (laughs) I've seen the guy who plays Archie and uh, Cole Sprouse, the guy who plays Jughead. And... They're like giant humans who are super ripped and have five o'clock shadows. 
There is no way you're passing for a 16-year-old. Hell no. The thing is that fucking Cole's, like, Big Daddy came out so long ago. And then that's, like, if you were a kid in that thing, that was like, you should be 35 by now, dude. Oh, man, yeah. I don't know. (laughs) That, one of my favorite, this has nothing to do with sex work, but I was at a wrestling show in Vancouver, and Cole Sprouse was there uh, with his girlfriend at the time, Lily Reinhardt, and there's only one bathroom in this venue. And I go into the bathroom and he's coming out of the stall that I go in and he had left the seat up. And so I turn and yell at him like, what the fuck, dude? And he just looks at me like, at least you're washing your hands. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good story. I try. (laughs) Oh, before before we get out of here, do you want to end on any like, I was like any funny story or anything you got? So this is a silly kind of terrible story that I hope the person doesn't get offended. Um, But after uh, we had done what we had come to do in a session, my client and I are having some pillow talk. We're getting real deep. And I just kind of make a throwaway crack um, and say, and this person, you would assume that they are very liberal uh, just based on everything about them. Okay. But I said something like, oh, you're not a Trump voter, are you? And he goes, actually, I'd, I did vote for Trump. And I yelled in his face. Oh, God. I didn't even yell words. I just went, ah. <laughs> Did he come back? Uh, he actually texted me the other day and was like, hey, can I see you? And I told him only if he voted for Biden. <laughs> Beautiful. He might not be back. <laughs> well, then fuck him. Fuck him. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he was a delightful person. We had a good time. I was just like, that was a huge surprise. <laughs> just screaming, no! What have I done? Oh <laughs> yeah. Bowie, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. This yeah, has been good. Yeah, thanks for having me. Fuck yeah. Before we get out of here, do you want to plug the old social media so oh, that people yeah. can find you? So on Instagram, I am Sinclair Bowie. That's S-I-N-C-L-A-I-R. B-O-W-I-E on uh, Twitter. I am Bowie Sinclair. Just flip that around. Sinclair with no E. And then OnlyFans, it's Sinclair Bowie. Fuck yeah. Bowie, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. Thanks a lot. Fuck yeah. Listeners, we will be back later. That was my interview with Bowie Sinclair. Yeah, shout out Bowie. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. That was a good time. Listener, she just plugged it. I will plug it again. You can find her on Twitter at Bowie Sinclair, on Instagram at Sinclair Bowie, and OnlyFans.com slash Sinclair Bowie. I have a link to all her social media, her OnlyFans, in the Libsyn page from this week. So make sure you hit that Libsyn page. Show her some love. If you enjoy the podcast, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Hit us with a five-star rating. Write us a review. That would help us out so much. This has been episode 57. I appreciate you being here. We will be back next Tuesday. Is it going to be an interview? Is it going to be a solo episode? I really don't know at this point, but I will tweet about it. So uh, (laughs) make sure you're following us and you'll find out what's happening but either way, we will be here next Tuesday. Like I mentioned, I've been in Raleigh for a couple days. Every time I come to Raleigh and I'm in Raleigh on a Monday, I'm like, oh boy, let's get uh, let's get tested. I uh, went to the LGBT Center 
of Raleigh. They have testing every Monday from 5 to 7.45 p.m., completely free. They test for HIV, chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, and hepatitis C, completely free. So if you're in Raleigh on a Monday, fucking go do that. That is put on by the Alliance of Aid Services Carolina, which has an office in Raleigh and actually does free testing Monday through Friday. So if you're not able to hit the LGBT center on a Monday, you can go to the Alliance of Aid Services Carolina office literally every single day. I will put a link to their website on the Libsyn page from this week, so make sure you check it out. I will also have a link in the Libsyn page for a comedy show that I'm on October 18th at Reformation Brewery in Canton. Starts at 7 p.m. Tickets are $15. Hey, if you want to come through, come through. We got them last. It's outdoor, social distance. Uh, It'll be a good time. But hey, I'm going to get out of here. I appreciate you being here. I will see you on Tuesday. Have a good week.